Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, take your Bibles, turn on to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Have you ever had a situation where you know you were supposed to do something and you just didn't want to do it? You know, it happens all the time. A couple of months ago when uh, I had first got out of the hospital with my blood clots, I'd worked like my first full day at church. Uh, We'd had Wednesday night services. I had a meeting after that. I was really tired. My leg had swollen. It was hurting. I got in the car, pulled up out here to get on Westport Road, and I noticed a man up at the stoplight trying to push his car into our parking lot with one leg on the ground and inside the car, you know, trying to get his car wasn't running. And I thought, well, the right thing to do would be to stop and get out and help him. But I'm tired. It's been a long day. I just got out of the hospital and my leg hurts. And so I started debating, what should I do? And I thought, well, surely some good Samaritan will help this guy. But instead, people were just uh, as general in Louisville. They were honking their horn at him and and, uh, giving him nice gestures and things while he's trying to push the car. And so finally I thought, oh my goodness, all right, I'll help you. And so I back back into the parking lot. I go out there. I start trying to help him push the car. So he's got one leg in, one leg out. I've got one leg. You know, we're, we're not doing real well trying to push his car. We finally get it up into uh, the, the turn into the church parking lot, but there's a little hill there, a little grade, and we couldn't get it any further. And I'm pushing my legs hurting. I finally said, Okay, you're out of the traffic, just leave it here, and I'll see if I can get some more help. So I'm going up, and I'm walking up there, and I'm going, oh, gosh. And I look, and the door opens, and Alan Haywood walks out. And I said, Alan, man, just the guy I was looking for. And then a couple of high school boys walked out, and I said, okay, guys, Jesus is tenderly calling. You know, and uh, so I take them down to the car. I mean, it's like it's not even there. They just push it up into the parking lot. And Alan said, what were you doing? And I said, well, I was trying to help that guy. And he goes, why did you do that? Go home. We've got this now. And so I go and get in the car and I start home and I think, well, thank you, Lord, that uh, at least I tried a little bit uh, to help there. We make decisions every day in life. Some of those decisions are, am I going to help somebody or not help somebody? Some of those decisions are as simple as, what kind of tie are you going to wear today? And I wore my St. Patty's Day tie, okay? Because it's almost St. Patrick's Day in the back, you know, as you're going through there. This is a tie that that, uh, Sandy Baker gave me after their mission trip to China. Isn't that very nice? Yeah. Very nice. So if you all go on a mission trip, I do expect presents. Uh, that That was the big point of that. But, you know, we make all kinds of decisions, but some decisions are things like, am I going to do something I know I should do, or am I going to do something I know I shouldn't do? And we make those kinds of decisions every single day of our life, dozens of them in a day. So what we're going to do is we're going to look over into Matthew 27, and we're going to look at uh, Jesus before Pontius Pilate, and we're going to look at how Jesus helped make the decisions that he did and how it can help us make decisions when they come upon us in life. Now, if you remember where we left off last week, the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, those 70 people have condemned Jesus to death. 
They, they've mocked him, they've spit on him, they beat him, and they said he's worthy of death and condemned him to death. Just one problem. They don't have the power to condemn anybody to death. Rome ruled Israel at this time, and only Rome could put forward the death penalty. And so even though they've convicted him of death, they can't do anything about it. And so they sent him to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. And that's where our scripture picks up over in Matthew chapter 27 with verse 11. And the first thing we see is this. We have a firm foundation. When we have that firm foundation, we're more likely to do what is right. Look down to chapter 27, verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. And when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. And so they bring Jesus before Pilate. Well, they've got to have a... uh, a, a, a charge that's worthy of death. A charge worthy of death isn't blasphemy. Rome could care less if there's somebody blaspheming Jewish law. Uh, They have to have done something that's worthy of death if the governor is going to condemn them of death. So the charge they bring against Jesus is treason. He's a a traitor to Rome because he said he was a king and we have no king but Caesar. And so they're making all these charges against Jesus And Jesus is remaining perfectly silent. Pilate is amazed, our scripture tells us. Anybody else with your life on the line would be fighting to go against the unfair charges and to show you were innocent. But Jesus is doing nothing. And so Pilate says, well, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, well, you know, that's what you say. And Pilate said, no, they're making charges. Aren't you even going to defend yourself? And Jesus does nothing to defend himself, we're told, not even against a single charge. Now, why didn't Jesus do anything to defend himself? We looked at this last week. And the answer is really very simple. At this stage, Jesus knows who he is and he knows what he's supposed to be doing. Who is he? He's the son of God who came to this world so that he would die on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven. You see, Pilate's in a no-win situation here. Pilate's trying to do the right thing as best as he can, but Jesus isn't cooperating, not even trying to defend himself because Jesus knew who he was. I'm the son of God. He knew his mission. I'm going to go to the cross. And so because he knew those things, he had a firm foundation. I'm not going to defend myself. I want to be found guilty. I want to go to the cross. When you have that kind of foundation of who you are and what life is about, when decisions come, it makes those decisions a lot easier. So let's talk about that for a second. What are we supposed to be thinking when we think, who am I? Well, the first thing you're supposed to think is, okay, I am a child of God. You are a child of God and you're called to live and to behave as a child of God. So you're to be loving and forgiving and patient and kind and helpful. When I was out in the parking lot, one of the things that was going through my mind, you know, it wasn't, you know, you're a child of God, but it's, you know, you were supposed to help people. I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to help people. You know, I don't want to do that today. You know, what's something else? But when you know that, the decision becomes different. The decision isn't, is this the right or wrong thing to do? If you have that foundation, the decision is, are you going to do what you know is the right thing or are you not going to do it? That makes the decision much different. 
So the first thing is to know who you are as a child of God and how you're supposed to behave as a child of God. But the second part of that is also real important. And the second part is we have a guideline to help us in making decisions, and it's called the Bible. If you read the Bible and know the Bible, the Bible is going to tell you right and wrong and good and bad, and there's not going to be a lot of wiggle room. When it comes to things like, you know, you shouldn't lie and you shouldn't cheat and you shouldn't commit adultery, you know, those are pretty black and white things. And you don't have to sit around and debate whether or not it's right or wrong or good or bad. The Bible clearly tells you what's there. Your only decision is, are you going to do the right thing or not? And so having that foundation of who you are and the Bible to give you standards of beliefs helps you when you have to make decisions. It changes everything. It says, okay, I do know the right thing to do. Now it's just whether or not I'm going to do it. It changes everything about your decision making. When I was in college, I had a a really good friend of mine, grew up in church, very active in church at that point. He started flirting with a girl in our class who was married. Uh, Before long, they started going out and eating, uh, you know, meals together at lunch and everything at school. And then they finally decided they were going to meet at a hotel and start an affair. Now, for him... He knew what was right and wrong. He'd grown up in church. He knew that you weren't supposed to be going to a hotel and sleeping with a married woman. But he had made the decision that's what he was going to do anyway. And so he told me later, I pulled into that hotel. I saw her car already there. Uh, I, I parked my car. I got out. I started walking towards the room that she had texted me that we had. And as I was walking to it, in the back behind the hotel was a church steeple. And he said, I just kept staring at the church steeple and I felt God saying, you know this is wrong. What are you doing? And he went and got back in his car and left. Now, why did he do that? Because he knew what was right and wrong. He knew that he was supposed to be behaving with certain standards and that God said some things are right and some things are wrong. For him, it was one of the Ten Commandments. Number seven, if you want to go look it up there. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And so for him, it wasn't a matter of, is this the right thing to do? What's my decision? It's just whether or not, are you going to do what you know is right? Or are you going to do what you want to do and what you know is wrong? So the first thing when it comes to making decisions is to have that firm foundation of who you are as a child of God and the Bible is your standard of belief. But there's a second thing that can help us when we have decisions to make that God has given every person, whether you're a Christian or not. And so when decisions come, what I found is this. When people have to make decisions about good and bad, right and wrong, helping someone or not helping someone, most people already know the right thing to do. Um, When decisions come, most of us already know the right thing to do. And we know it for a simple reason. God's given us something called a conscience. And every person in this world has that conscience. Now, for some of us, that conscience is dulled pretty much. uh, And we've kind of pushed it to the back. But that conscience is in all of us. I want to read you uh, Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Romans 2, verses 14 and 15. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, they have become a law unto themselves, even though they don't have the law. They show that the requirements of the law was written upon their heart. Their conscience bore them witness, and their thoughts either accused them 
or defended them. So basically what we're being told here is that every person has an internal conscience that God's given us. And our thoughts will either accuse us, you're doing something you know isn't right here. And even non-Christians have a conscience. When they do things, they can say, well, I knew that wasn't right. I knew it was wrong. You know, why do people walk down the aisle and say, God, forgive me? Because they know they're doing things that aren't right, whether they believe in God or not. So your conscience either accuses you or it defends you. People who aren't Christians feel good when they help somebody. You know, our conscience either accuses us or it defends us. So when decisions come, knowing that conscience is there and listening to our conscience, knowing who we are and following the Bible helps us make those decisions. Pilate was a Roman governor. He was not a believer in the true God, but he still knew what was right in this situation and his conscience was at work. Look down to verse 15 of our scripture passage. Verse 15. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? He knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. So Pilate here knows the right thing to do. He knows that the Jewish leaders here have, are jealous of Jesus, that the charges are bogus, and he knows that this is just a mock sham trial. Not only that, he tries to follow his conscience and do the right thing. So he's, he's got this notorious prisoner that he thinks everybody's going to hate by the name of Barabbas, and he says, who do you want me to release to you, Jesus or Barabbas? Because he's trying to find a way to release Jesus against unfair charges because he knows the right thing to do in this situation. For most of us, when we have decisions to make, we'll know the right thing to do. Our conscience will accuse or defend us when we get into those situations. It was the same for Pilate. Look at verse 19. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. So even Pilate's wife in a dream had been told Jesus was innocent. And all of this is piling up into Pilate now. He knows that the charges are unfair. He knows Jesus is innocent. He's trying to do something to release him. Even his wife has had a dream about it. So all of this is going in now to Pilate and the decision that he has to make. Even children follow their conscience and know right and wrong and good and bad. Have you ever had your kid after they did something come crying and slobbering and said, I'm sorry, that was bad. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have smacked my brother or sister 10 times in the back of the head or something like that. You know, uh, they, they know when things are right and things are wrong. I remember when I was a little kid, I don't know how old it was, six, seven years old, I was running through the house, throwing my ball against the wall, catching it, playing, throwing against the wall. I missed the ball one time, which is hard to believe with my great athletic coordination, but I missed the ball one time and hit a lamp and, and the lamp broke. Well, my mom and dad came in and they said, who broke the lamp? And I said, I have no idea who broke that lamp. It's amazing to me that, I mean... It must have just fallen over because it was too near the edge or something. And they said, well, okay, you know, we'll hire some private detectives. We'll look at this and see, see what happened. So I went away, and my conscience started working on me. Chip, 
you not only broke the lamp, you then lied to your mom and dad, you are a bad person. And my conscience started working on me. And so I started feeling really bad. And so I go into my mom and dad and said, I lied to you. I threw the ball against the wall and the ball broke the lamp. You know, not I mean, but, but I was there when it happened. And I never will forget what my dad said. He said, I know, I saw you do it. I just wanted to see if you'd tell the truth. Whoa, come on, dad, you know, just with me or something. You know, that, that made it even worse. Your conscience will accuse you or defend you. So when you've got decisions to make here, we've already seen three things that you can count on. One thing you can count on when you have a decision to make is who you are as a child of God. I'm a child of God. How was I supposed to behave as a child of God? The second is the Bible and the Bible's reliability in telling you what's right and what's wrong. And the third is your conscience. Your conscience is either going to accuse you or it's going to defend you. So we have a pretty good foundation now of how we're supposed to behave. And that brings us to the next thing we see. Just because you know the right thing to do doesn't mean you're going to do it. Just because you know the right thing to do doesn't mean you're going to do it. Everybody in this room has known the right thing to do before and done the complete opposite. And maybe done it over and over again and then gone home and kicked yourself and said, why am I so stupid? Why am I so weak? Why do I keep doing this? Lord, I'm never going to do that again. And then the next day comes and you do it again and you're kicking yourself all over again. Just because you know the right thing to do doesn't mean you're going to do it. When I was uh, in, in school at the University of Louisville, uh, I was studying for a final one time and uh, I wanted to find a quiet place. And so I went up into the, to the teacher's lounge there and uh, because uh, no students would ever go into a teacher's lounge. And so I, I went in there and I was studying. Nobody was around. And then I saw a guy in the class come walking out of one of the teacher's offices and he's got a cast on his arm. And I said, hey, man, what happened? And he said, oh, I was messing around the other day, broke my arm. And he said, but I, I couldn't write. And so I had to take the, the final uh, orally with the teacher. And I said, oh, man, that, that's, that's too bad. I said, it was the final hard. And he goes, was it hard? And he takes out a piece of paper and he sets it in my lap. And he goes, well, there it is. Decide for yourself. He turns around and he walks off. Now, I had a decision to make. And my decision was I knew the wrong thing to do was to look at that test. That would be cheating. I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. I knew that as a child of God. I knew that in my conscience. And I also knew it just because the Bible said things about right and wrong and cheating and things like that. I knew the right thing to do. So what did I do? I finished the test in 15 minutes and got an A. Got 100% on that test, by the way. One of my best finals I've ever taken. I knew what was right. And I still didn't do it. You see, just because you know something's right, it doesn't mean you follow through with it. Let's see how that happens with Pilate in our scripture passage down to verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who had called the Christ, Pilate asked. And they answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. 
So in these verses, Pilate is trying to do the right thing. He knows Jesus is innocent. He knows he should release him. And so he's actually arguing with the crowd. And the crowd keeps saying, give us Barabbas. And Jesus and Pilate says, but what about Jesus? And they say, crucify him. And he said, but under what charge? He hasn't done anything. Pilate actually tells the crowd that. He knows he's innocent. He hasn't done anything. What should I, why would I do that? And they begin to yell, crucify him, crucify him. So here is Pilate now. It's obvious he knows the right thing to do. The charges are bogus. The religious leaders are jealous. His wife's had the dream. The crowd is going crazy. And he's trying everything in his power to have Jesus released. And it just doesn't seem to be working. And so Pilate doesn't know what to do at this particular instance. He has to make a decision. What's he going to do? And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. We're responsible for our decisions and our actions. When you make a decision, you are responsible for the decision you make and the actions that you take. Did Pilate have any extenuating circumstances here? He sure did. The crowd was going crazy. A riot was about to take place. The religious leaders were insistent. Uh, He's about maybe to get in trouble himself. They're saying... This Jesus says he's a king and you're going to let a traitor go. All of this is coming down upon Pilate. So look down at verse 24. (laughs) When Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting. What's it mean when it says he was getting nowhere? He's trying to release Jesus. He's trying to do the right thing. He knows the right thing. When he saw he was getting nowhere, but that an uproar was starting, a riot's taking place. He took water. He washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. And all of the people said, let his blood be on us and on our children. Wow. Truer words had never been spoken. Let his blood be on us and on our children. The blood of Jesus was on them and it was on their children for this reason. Jesus was dying and shedding his blood for sin. And he was going to the cross for that reason. So Pilate here makes a show. He gets a bowl of water in front of the people. And he washes his hands. And he says, I'm innocent. It's on you. Was Pilate then innocent in condemning Jesus to death? The answer is no, for this reason. The only person in all of Israel that had the power to put Jesus to death was Pilate. He was the Roman governor. Only he could make that decision. (laughs) So he makes a show of saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. And then look at verse 26. Then he released Barabbas, had Jesus flogged, and handed him over to be crucified. Only Pilate had the power to do that. You see, there can be a lot of extenuating circumstances in your life. You can say, I had bad parents. That's the reason I do what I do. My boss isn't fair, so I cut corners and do some things I shouldn't do. 
The taxes are just way too high. That's why I cheat on my taxes. Uh, I was late. That's why I was driving 140 on on uh, on uh, Waterson Expressway or something. But if you're driving 140 on Waterson Expressway, you're still going to be in the slow lane. I can tell you that right now when you're when you're going through there. There can be all kinds of extenuating circumstances. There was peer pressure. Everybody else was doing it. Nobody cares about me. You can make every decision in the world based on pressure you're getting from other people. But the simple fact of the matter is you are responsible for the decisions you make. You may have had bad parents. You may have a bad boss. There may be things in your life that aren't fair, but you are the only one that makes a decision on your behavior. And we are responsible for the decisions that we make. And that's why it becomes important that we make our decisions based on the things that we've talked about. Who am I as a child of God and what would God have me do in this situation? What does the Bible say and what are the standards of Scripture? Where is my conscience going? Is it accusing or defending me in this situation? We usually know the right thing to do. It's just whether or not we're going to do it. Pilate here was in a bad situation. I have sympathy for Pilate, believe it or not, because Jesus had come to die on the cross. So, I mean, he was going to go to the cross either way. Pilate just happened to be the one that was there at the time. He tries to do the right thing, but when push comes to shove, he's not sticking his neck out, and so he hands Jesus over to be crucified. And you'll have a lot of reasons for doing the things that you do, and you'll try to defend yourself for making the wrong decisions and doing the wrong thing. But you're the one that made that decision. So we need to be basing our decisions upon who we are and what we do as a child of God. Avoni Williams is an 18-year-old girl that lives in Texas, works at Waffle House. She works at Waffle House. She's trying to save enough money to go to college. And the other day, uh, a man came into Waffle House. He ordered uh, some food. He had an oxygen tank, looked very frail. She checked with him a few minutes later, and she saw he hadn't eaten any of his food. And uh, that, uh, uh, you know, everything was still sitting there. And she said, is there something wrong with the food? And he said, no, I just got out of the hospital a few minutes ago. And I'm sorry, I'm just too weak to even cut it up and eat it. The place was packed. People were yelling at her, wanting coffee and other things. And Avoni Williams goes and gets the knife and fork cuts the man's food up and feeds it to him while he's there. Got a picture of her doing that right now, uh, helping the man uh, that day. A lady by the name of Laura Fox took that picture and put it on Facebook and wrote this little caption. She said, I don't know about other people, but I saw a tremendous act of kindness today from a young girl who went out of her way to help a man who couldn't even cut up her food, his food. A few days later, a man walked into the Waffle House and asked for Ivoni Williams. She said, I'm Ivoni. And he said, well, I'm the president of Texas Southern University. I'd like to give you a full scholarship. You see, we know the right things to do. It's just whether or not we're going to do it. Ivoni could have said a lot of things that day. I'm busy. There's other tables. These people need coffee. I'm sorry, but I can't take the time to do this. And we would have all understood. But there was one right action in that situation. 
And it was to say, I'm going to care for you and do something to help you. And when you do that, it makes a difference. And people notice. Why did the president of Texas Southern go to the Waffle House with a full scholarship? Because people don't act like that in our world. People are selfish. People take care of themselves and look out for number one. And when people have to make decisions, they make the decisions on what's going to be best for me and what's going to help me in this situation. And when we see in the world people making decisions that are selfless and helping others, then we're all amazed and it stands out. And yet that's what you're supposed to be doing as a child of God. Every day you're going to have dozens of decisions to make. Do I help? Do I not help? Do I do good? Do I do bad? Do I ignore what the Bible says or do I follow what the Bible says? And when you do the things that you know are right, then another light shines in this world and we come so much closer to the kingdom of God. If you looked around the room right now, you would be amazed to think that when this service is over, all of these people have the opportunity to go out into the world and to be a light that shines in the darkness of our world. And if we wanted to do that, look around. What a difference just the people in this room can make at their school, at their offices and businesses and their homes if we just did what we knew God wanted us to do. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the love that you have for us. My goodness. To know that Jesus went to that cross for us. And Lord, now that we're saved and we're forgiven, help us to live a life that shows we are understanding and appreciative of what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation. And one of the things I would like for you to think about is, hey, how am I going to live this week? Live this week looking for opportunity for you to do good. Live this week saying, okay, when I've got decisions to make, what am I supposed to be doing as a child of God? And when you do, man, you're going to start seeing doors open and things change and opportunities come, and you're going to live a life that's so much fuller and richer. You see, we make this mistake as Christians. We think the Christian life is about not doing anything bad. And so we try to be good little boys and girls and not mess up. And that is a miserable life to lead because you're always going to have that pressure. You're always going to feel guilty when you mess up and you're never going to quite measure up. But if you see the Christian life is going into this world and saying, how can I make a difference as a child of God in the situations that come upon me in life? How can I be more caring, more loving, more forgiving? When you start doing that, then life becomes an adventure. It doesn't become a burden. And so make that commitment. Lord, help me this week to live the adventure of helping and caring for other people. During this time, you can come pray at the altar, and we've got ministers that would love to pray with you about needs and things going on in your life. You can come and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing in this community and this world. And the most important decision you could ever make is to come down and say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to follow him as Lord and Savior. So this is your time and your opportunity as we stand together and we sing.
Hey, we've got coming up very soon, Easter Sunday, April Fool's Day is Easter Sunday. So, you know, that'll work into the sermon somehow uh, at some point. Uh, we're going to be having services at 8, 9.30, and 11. 8, 9.30, and 11. Uh, so come to all three. No, to, uh, uh, be sure to be there. Here's what I want you to know. On Easter Sunday, people will come to church that won't come any other time of the year because it's Easter and you were supposed to go to church. And so people do. And so if you will invite people, they will come more on Easter than any other time. And we're going to have invite cards out at the Welcome Center. I think we have those available today even. Uh, if not, ask Katie. I saw him back there. Ask Katie to go get him out. But we have some invite cards for you to give to people. Uh, and so start inviting your friends, family, neighbors, because people come on Easter more than any other time of the year. All right, let's close the prayer quickly. Father, thank you for this time together. Uh, we just pray as we go out. We know we've got a lot of decisions we're going to make. Help us with a good foundation to make decisions that we know are going to glorify you and help others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.